0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs. We will try to give you a little bit of introduction and a few comments in that direction before we get into the verse-by-verse discussion. I might say this, that the title and introduction and motto is found in verses 1 through 7. And then a Father's praise of wisdom in chapters 1-8 through nine nineteen. 19 just to kind of give you a gist of what you'll find in the whole book. And then the Proverbs of Solomon actually begin at chapter 10, verse 1 through 22, 16. And then you have words of wise men. I can give you this again later, if you'd like the verses exactly. But the words of wise men begin in chapter 22, 17 through 24, 34. And further Proverbs of Solomon, actually Hezekiah's collection is 25, 1 through 29, 27. And words of Agar, or Agar, however you want to pronounce it, and that's chapter 30 and words of king uh, lemuel 31 verses 1 through 9 and then the last portion of this book is an alphabet of likely excellence or we know as the is the most excellent woman that we find, and uh, it's spoken of in uh, verses 31. I mean, chapter 31, verses 10-31. through 31. So that's kind of a gist of what you'll find. Now we'll come back and look at the first verse and then make some comments there, and we're going to take this verse by verse. We're not going to try to drag it out, but we're not going to try to rush through it either. So wherever we end up in this chapter or the next, or wherever we'll pick up like we've uh, done before, and basically we'll not deal with it chapter by chapter in that sense. We'll stop where we get to and then we'll pick up where we leave off. Notice in verse 1 it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, Proverbs, actually, in the Hebrew, it means a set of weighty or wise and authoritative sayings. It's a whole group of, of wise and authoritative sayings. And it comes from the word P R O dash V E R B U M, proverbium, a word speech or saying, and it leads us to the original meaning of the thing itself, to what it really means. And the allegorical saying, uh, Proverbs is an allegorical saying, actually, a short saying that stood for the whole discourse. In other words, you're going to have a whole uh, book of short sermons. Each verse could be a sermon, if you wanted to elaborate on it that much. If you notice, It says in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Solomon is the first of the sacred writers that that his name stands at the head of his works. He's the first one that names his name right at the head of the works of all the Old Testament. But then there are others later on. And we think of Solomon and David. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. Solomon means peaceful, peaceable. Jedediah, let me give you that. He's also called Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord. Uh, in the book of Second Samuel chapter 12, in verse 24, it says, And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her, and she bare a son. And he called his name Solomon. and he's peaceable. And the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedediah. And that means beloved of the Lord, because of the Lord. He was loved of the Lord. And if you'll notice that uh, Solomon was, of course, the... Son of David by Bathsheba. You know, we think of grace in the Bible that out of all that's sinful, God can give it a twist and a change for His glory. Isn't it an amazing uh, paradoxical thing that the wisest man that was ever born was born to Bathsheba with whom David had committed adultery and later on uh, confessed his sin and then they had a union together and and then uh, Solomon was born. So, you know, this... The excuse of what people's parents were or what they did before doesn't excuse the individual for being what God he wants him to be. Uh, by the grace of God, it, it can be changed. In fact, if you turn to... I've taught this before in the book of Matthew. There are four women in the genealogy. In Matthew chapter 1, I'll read verse 3, "...and Judas begat Pharaohs and Zara of Tamar." Tamar shows us the fact of sin. If you go back and read the story of Tamar... You'll find that sin written all over it. And then you come on down and it says, "In Pharaoh begat Ezra, Ezra beget Aram, and Aram beget Amenadab, and Amenadab beget Naasim, and Naasim begat Salmon. Now listen, and Salmon, verse 5, beget Boaz of Rahab, or Rahab. And this shows us salvation by faith. We see that uh, the fact of sin, then we see in Rahab salvation by faith, because she believed that it says, By faith, Rahab the harlot was saved. In the book of Hebrews. And then it says, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Of Ruth. And Ruth shows us, another woman that's mentioned in the genealogy of Christ, Ruth shows us that there can be righteousness without the law. Remember, she was cursed and under the law, under a curse because she was a Moabite. And so this is progressive in its revelation. These four women reveal the plan of salvation, by the way. The fact of sin in Tamar. And then Rahab, salvation by faith. And in Ruth, righteousness without the law. And then in the last one, we find it says, uh, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. Now listen to this. It doesn't say of Bathsheba. It says of her that had been the wife of your rights. Isn't that amazing? She's not even mentioned. What does that teach us? That there's more abounding grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's not even mentioned. Her name is not even mentioned. Because... Of the fact that she's so connected with David in his great transgression. And so we find that here you have the fact of sin in Tamar, you have salvation by faith in Rahab, you have righteousness without the law in Ruth. Remember, she was received, uh, Boaz received her, type of Christ, and without works, without the works of the law, she was saved by faith and saved by Boaz in uh, Maine, specifically. And then we find that David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias, saved by grace. So we're all sinners. We're all under the law, and we need to be redeemed from the curse. And we all are saved by faith. It says by, uh, you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. And then it's where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let's go back to our Proverbs, verse 1 of the first chapter. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now let's notice in verse uh, 2, it says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. We find that these three verses show us the design and the aim of this whole book. The whole of God's heavenly teachings. What are these Proverbs 4, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to know wisdom. The only way you're going to know wisdom is by God's Word. And instruction, the instructions that we need are from God's Word. The Bible says that the Word of God was given by inspiration. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine For correction, for instruction in righteousness. Instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. To know wisdom and instruction. And then it says to perceive. That means to discern or to comprehend the words of understanding. To perceive or discern. To comprehend. It says the words of understanding. Paul says to the Ephesians, the eyes of your understanding. In other words, the eyes of your inside, your inmost being. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. See, God's word, it will enlighten us. Then it says in verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. You see, uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, unless we receive them, that means to take them to ourselves. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. A lot of people hear what they do not receive. You have to receive this word for yourself and take it as a benefit to you. Every one of us have to receive it. If we don't take it, you might hear it. You might even have a little knowledge of it and a little understanding of it. And the more you hear it and the more you perceive it and comprehend it and the more you receive the instructions and the more you receive it unto yourself, the better understanding you'll have of all of it. It says, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. And then it says, a wise man will hear. Notice the three classes here. You have the simple, you have the young man, and you have a wise man that will hear. Three different kinds of people. First of all, to give subtlety to the simple. Originally, this word meant uh, plain and honest not what people have made it out to be. They say, well, he's simple-minded. It's been downgraded to mean silly or foolish. But originally it meant a plain and honest person that would receive the instruction when it was given to him. To give subtlety to the simple. To the man that was just plain and honest and Really sincere and ready to receive it, and then it says to the young man, knowledge and discretion, young men can grow and be strong in the word of God. Uh, John says, I write unto you, listen, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong and have overcome the, the wicked one, the evil one, and the word of God abideth in you. Why were young men told that they were overcomers because the word of God ab- was abiding. You see, if the Word of God abides in you, you have a better chance to overcome the wicked one. And if you do not let the Word of God abide and do not have it abiding, then the wicked one will get full control. The Bible says that the Word is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. Have you ever seen folks that They already know before you say anything. Well then, if a person knows before I say anything, why should I try to tell him something that he already knows? I mean, you know, that's just... And there's a lot of people that way. You start to tell them something of the Scripture and they come out and they've already known. You know, they know it all. And if they know it all, well, I just best be quiet because if they know more than I do, I need them to tell me anyway. And then maybe I'd receive. And you know, that's the way it goes. If you will hear... If a it says a wise man will hear and then increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Why? Because he will hear and increase learning. Let's never grow too old to learn. The Apostle Paul he asked for he said, Timothy, I want you to come before winter because it's winter's coming on. He said, I want you to bring my cloak. And he said, Bring the books and especially the parchments. Uh, Paul? And he says, "I'm now ready." Before that, he said, "I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departure." hand. and he knew he was going to depart and be beheaded. He knew he was going to uh, be killed, and he was. He suffered martyrdom, but he was going to be a student to the day of his death. I was thinking, as brother, uh, I think Randy was speaking about learnings, you know, keeping on, and then brother uh, Nichols read the poem into that direction too. Uh, we need to keep on learning. All the days of our lives, do we not? We're never too old to learn. And uh, so it says, uh, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel to understand the proverb and the interpretation, uh, and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Dark sayings sometimes refer to riddles or parables. There's some that do not understand. The Bible says. The natural man receiving not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You see, the natural man or the man in the flesh, the unsaved person especially, cannot receive the spiritual things until God has enlightened his heart, until he's a born again child of God, until then, and he has the ability to, and the unction from the Holy One and understand all things, as John says. Then he can begin to understand, and even these children that have been born again, uh, they, they can begin to understand as they, as the Holy Spirit opens their minds and hearts to the Word of God. God has just given you something that will give you the ability to understand His Word as His child. And it says to understand the proverb and the interpretation thereof, or the interpretation, it doesn't say thereof, uh, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now then, Notice beginning with verse 7. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. This is reverence toward God. This is the principle or controlling factor. It's the beginning of knowledge. A person must begin with God, and then he will learn more quickly. And no man can ever become truly wise who does not begin with God, who is the fountain of all knowledge. If we're going to be wise, we have to begin with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let's think of that in two senses. The fear of the Lord, if we have reverence toward God, then we're wanting to do the will of God, it results... And produces obedience to the divine will. If we fear God and we respect God and we reverence God, then we'll want to be obedient to God. And if we want to be obedient to God, we'll want to love man whom he has loved. On these two thoughts hang all the what? Law and the prophet. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So our relationship to man will increase and be better if we have the proper respect for God and reverence for God. No man can have due reverence and proper reverence for God and then turn around and hate his brother. He says if you love uh, if you hate your brother whom you have uh, if you if you hate your brother whom you have seen then you're it's contradiction to what you find. Let me read in the first John for you. First John. It says if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he had not seen? You see, you cannot yeah. love God whom you have not seen if you hate your brother whom you have seen. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, the way to begin to learn is, first of all, to put yourself in proper, proper relationship with God, and that is, of course, repentance and faith and trust in God with all your heart for salvation. Now, look, but fools... Last part of verse seven, but fools despise and fools here evil men, wicked men, evil in their doings, evil in their hearts, evil in their ways. These these are fools. Despise wisdom and instruction. They despise it. Verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The ideal teacher is father and mother. We come back to the home, the family don't. Now then, sometimes the church has to pick up where the family fails, or does not do what they're supposed to do. But if you have godly fathers and godly mothers, that's where the instruction should come from. And then the addition to both fathers and mothers and And children should come from the church and its ministry and its teaching. So that's why families need to be in church. You know, you've heard people say, well, I'm going to send the kids to Sunday school. My goodness, what good is that going to do you? And really, what good is it going to do them except for what they hear from the teachers? Uh, They're going to say, well, mother and daddy don't believe this. Why should I? They come with three strikes against them nearly. Because, you know, if it's not good for them, for parents, it's not good for children, and so they don't realize how important it is unless father and mother concerned about it. And if you want to teach your children, you'd be an example to your children. And it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. No, usually the father's out and away, and the mother's closer to home. And the law of thy mother, she's the one that has to do the detail work, isn't she? She's the one that has to deal with the little things. She's the one that has to deal with them on a more... a constant and regular basis than the father does. So it says here, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. He can give the instructions. It says, forsake not the law of thy mother. And what good will it do to hear, children? You boys and girls, listen now. It says, for they shall be an ornament of grace under thy head and chains about thy neck. It's going to be as crowns and diadems. The Word of God and the instructions that come, and we're taking it here, that the Scriptures speaking of godly fathers and mothers. Uh, the, the things that you receive are going to be like the uh, things that they would attire or put upon as crowns and diadems for those who were special uh, recognition by the king. Remember, one was told that I'll put a gold chain about your neck. And I'll give you the ring upon your finger. And I'll do all these things because out of uh, the great recognition of that individual. And so the Word of God is that to us. When we listen to the instruction, it will be uh, as crowns and diadem. Have you ever seen anyone that increased in the knowledge and the Word of God that wanted to decrease in that because it had already become such of a great value? and great possession as ornaments to them. If I were to tell any one of you today that I wish you could go back to square one and didn't know very much about God's Word, that would be the most ridiculous statement you ever heard. Wouldn't it? Because all of those things are ornaments of grace, chains uh, about your neck, which are adorning you, and which is uh, that which is so costly and beneficial and, and so much of a recognition to you. And then in verse 10 it says, My son, now here you begin to have instructions. Look, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. What does that mean? You've heard these people come up with this slogan now, just say no. God said it a long time ago. You know, they come up, well, you know, now we found out how to deal with it, just say no. Well, God says here, my son, if sinners uh, entice thee, consent thou not exactly what it means. Just say no to it. I don't want anything to do with it. And notice that the method of sinners is to entice. Entice. The devil is behind all of that kind of thing. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. It says in the next verse, if they say, come with us, this is precisely the way they work. In other words, be one of us. We're your peers. We're your associates. We're your companions. Come with us. You see the idea? Come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without a cause. And this is exactly the way they work. Come with us. They persuade you. They entice you. They say, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily. Lie in ambush. Let us lie in ambush for the innocent without a cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave. Rob and murder and whole as those that go down into the pit. They don't care what they do. They can be uh cruel and mean. And then in verse thirteen it says, We shall find all precious substance, we shall fill our houses with spoil. Too good to be true, isn't it? false promises. In other words, get rich quick we're gonna find we're just really gonna make tell you all these get rich quick schemes eventually go down the drain. A lot of people have the idea, "Boy, I'm, I've got it made. I've got it figured out," and they're going to go out and get rich quick. It's better to learn to take care of what you have than to try to go out and rob it from somebody else because you're going to lose it anyway. The man that's greedy of gain, you know where he'll end up. And the Bible tells us what what that's all about. So, uh, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say money's the root of all evil.
1: Money's, money's good. Money's
0: good if you use it right. Money's good if you've come by it right. Money's good if it's God's blessings upon it. But it's not good if you've cheated somebody, if you've stolen it, if you've robbed, if you've been uh, going about trying to get everything that everybody else has in the business world and take advantage of the poor. It's not good that way. And besides, what do we need with that much of it anyway? Someone says, well, I've got to have more money. Well, we all need more. We can all spend more. The more we get, the more we spend. But the thing about it is if God... Paul says, Having therefore, brethren... Listen. What? Food and raiment. Let us therewith be content. Let's learn to be happy with a roof over our heads, with food in our mouths, and clothes upon our backs. Jesus said, If God so clothes the lilies of the field... said, Solomon... We're talking about Solomon. Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And shall he not much more clothe you? And then he says, O ye of little faith. We learn to trust God for our very soul salvation through what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And well should we, because he paid the full price and we don't have anything to worry about. He did pay the price. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. And we learn to trust him. We have been taught to trust him. We come to trust him with our soul. We repent of our sins and we trust him with our very soul salvation. And Eternal life is ours because of Him, and then can we not trust Him for the daily things and for the things of this life? Brother Nichols talking about as we get older, in the, a little bit ago, I guess. Brother Nichols and I, the oldest ones in this building, of the men, of the men, look at look at old Blue back there shaking his hands again. I think we outnumber him. I don't know, maybe not. I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, we're old enough. So, uh, the thing about it is God will provide for us the rest of our days. Why do we become so upset? Why do we become uh, so out of character as far as finances are concerned? Uh, we we need to learn to trust God with everything. Rejoice in the Lord. As Brother Abdu said Sunday night, always, again I say, rejoice in the Lord. Now, here it says... Uh, In verse uh, 13, We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. A gang of thugs, all wanting to put their money together. You know the worst thing you can ever do is put your money in with someone else. Now You can take that as a proverb or whatever you want to. That's the worst thing you can do. You see, you keep your own bank account. I'm talking about even the boys and girls. You know, just... I better stop. You know, the Bible says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. In other words, don't keep company with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. In other words, the kind of company you keep is very important. It says, walk not thou in the way with them. Do you know where more young people, boys and girls, get in trouble? They get with the wrong crowd. That's exactly what happens. And that's why the camp, they're going out here together as Christian boys and girls, and they're going to camp, and I hope that they can enjoy the fellowship of each other and, and the teachers and the adults that oversee them, that they'll listen to them and be taught, and not get in the wrong crowd. That's why you have this separate crowd. And of course, if boys and girls come that are not uh, saved, they need to be taught to trust the Lord as their Savior. But- uh, you boys and girls that are here in church, if you get off with the wrong people and if they entice you to go the wrong direction, it's your business to say, no, I'm not going to live that way and I don't want to have anything to do with it. And go home to mother and daddy and say, I just don't want to be in that crowd. And you'll find other company that you can keep. I'm tempted again, but I better not do it. Jim might come unglued. I, I, I guess I better do it, hadn't I? Jim, do you want me to? Yeah. Okay. He, he's in favor. He was talking about the kind of company you keep, the alcoholic, the drug addict, people that skid roll, stay away from them. And my dad taught me a little thing, and I've said it before. And so he was talking about the alcoholic. He said, it was in the late November, as well as I remember, I was walking down the streets in modern pride when my heart began to flutter and I lay down in the gutter and a pig came up and lay down by my side. And as I lay there in the gutter with my heart all in a flutter, a lady passing by was heard to say, you can tell the man that boozes by the company he chooses. And the pig got up and slowly walked (laughs) away. He wouldn't have anything to do with that guy, would he? Be careful of the kind of company you keep. You just don't want to keep with the wrong company. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil. Look, they run to evil. They're in a hurry to follow their evil plots and make haste to shed blood. Have you ever seen people that were so bent on doing evil that they just couldn't wait till they got through with... That's the way crimes are committed. They say we have to be in a hurry, the ones that's going to rob a store or a bank, and they get in there and want to get out as quick as they can. They make haste to shed blood. And then in verse 17 it says, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. This is a kind of a warning in the midst of all that. In other words, if you attend to God's counsel, their snares will not be, and their snares will be in vain because they will not catch you in their trap if you listen to God's counsel. You don't go out here uh, where there's birds flying around or the fowl that you want to trap and you set the trap right in front of them. I don't know how much big a bird brain is, but most birds would know not to get in it. They say, you know, they see a, they see a little bowl out there with with uh, water, a, a bird bath, and they drink out of it and veil in. It. they have enough sense to go down there and say, that's what that's for. I have one in my front yard and they use it for that very purpose all the time. They drink out of it, and they get their water out of it, and they bathe in it. They, they just really know what it's for. How come we ever called them a bird bath? Because we knew that they would do it. And so what happens, people uh, have to understand that, you know, if you're going out to trap someone, you don't say, well, now look, fella, I'm setting a trap for you. Now, here's a trap. I want you to step in it. It says, Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. It's in vain. It's in vain if God gives you counsel and then, then the trap is set for you. You know to, not to get in that at all. God gives you enough sense to stay away. Verse 18, And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privily for their own lives. They do not care who they hurt to get what they want. You see, there's a lot of people who do not care who they hurt. Let's learn to be kind and caring about folks. And if my gain is going to be the other man's hurt. We don't want to hurt folks, do we? The Christian attitude should be different than that. And it says, So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. For the blood of the innocent, actually. In verse 20, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. We come to the section that has to do with wisdom now. Wisdom has many channels. The laws of God and nature We can see wisdom in these things. We can see wisdom in our own frailty, if we will, that our life is very short, death is sure, sin is a curse, but Christ is the cure. We can see wisdom in our frailty. We can see wisdom as far as our conscience. It it tells us when things are right or wrong. And we can see wisdom in the providence of God. The Holy Spirit brings wisdom to our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And then the Holy Spirit... The Bible, Paul says, your conscience also bearing witness with the Holy Ghost. So the wisdom of God, the words of Christ come out. And they are wisdom. By by the way, let me read a verse of scripture for you in the book of Colossians 2 verse 3. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. I want you to listen to this one. It says this, In whom, speaking of Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See the things of Christ. They are full of wisdom and knowledge, the words of Christ. So it says back in our text now, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. We have wisdom's call. It's a compassionate cry and call. Crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. It's heard in public, it's heard in private, it's heard in the streets. Wisdom is heard in the homes. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city. She uttered her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? These that have been deceived, how long? And the scorners, notice you have simple ones and scorners and fools in this verse. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Will you uh, learn to be deceived? And the scorners delight in their scorning. They keep on scorning. And fools hate knowledge. are three Adverse things and negative things. Remember Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And it tells us of their condition. So don't fool with those kind of people. In verse uh, 23. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Turn you at my reproof, God says. This is an entreaty. God says, turn. Jesus says, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden. Turn you at my reproof. He says, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. When the gospel is preached, and the Holy Spirit's at work, and He convicts men's hearts and minds of their sins, and tells them the way of salvation and the word of God, the words are made known, I will make known my words unto you, then the responsibility... Uh, lies upon the hearer. It then becomes your responsibility to answer. And you can't go away and excuse yourself and say, well, I didn't know anything about it. God says, I'm going to make known my words unto you. I'm going to let my Holy Spirit open your mind to understand that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. Understand that the way of salvation is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Understand that He paid the full price. That he was delivered for our offenses, raised again for our justification, and if you believe on him who thus was delivered for your offenses, raised again for your justification, God says he'll impute unto you, give you his righteousness. And then it says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And God makes this known, then if you refuse That's your responsibility. And then he says, Because I have called, look here in verse 24, Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel. Notice God did call, they did refuse, they said it not his counsel, and would none of my reproof. And then God says, I also will laugh at your calamity, I will mock when your fear comes. If you refuse God, you're going to have to suffer the consequences and the judgment that will later come. And some wait until it's too late. And this was too late. He says, When your your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. There will be a day that it will be too late. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Now this doesn't mean that if a person turns to the Lord before that great final judgment comes, That he would refuse. Any sinner who calls upon God earnestly and seeks pardon through Jesus Christ will be heard today. But there may be a time that it will be too late. And there will be a day of judgment in the future. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Look, for that they hated knowledge. This shows the depravity of the human heart. And did not choose. What? They had a choice in the matter. The fear of the Lord. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It says in verse 29, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They did not choose the fear of the Lord that they might know. Because the fear of the Lord, verse 7, is the beginning of knowledge. They would none of my counsel, verse 30. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, look at the word therefore. Therefore shall they eat of their fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. What's that? They will bring evil upon themselves. They will be filled with their own devices. In other words, they will have to reap what they have sown. When men turn from God and turn from God's word and God's counsel and do not choose the fear of the Lord, then there's a time coming that they'll have to pay the price for it. It says, For the turning of a way of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But look in verse 33. Here's the good news. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. The man who hears the voice of wisdom, he shall be completely safe and secure. He, whoso hearkeneth unto me, it pay, pays to listen to God, doesn't he? And shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. What does that mean? He'll have a clear conscience and he'll have God's protection. I'd rather end up with that last verse. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, the man who hears the voice of wisdom, hears the voice of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge, and choose to hear the voice of God. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet, quiet a peaceable, clear conscience from fear of evil. And God's going to protect him because he's going to dwell safely. The Bible says that the Lord is going to take care of us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, listen, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God, he preserveth the saints forever. They are preserved forever. He holds you up and takes care of you. Well, we'll take up the second chapter. In our Proverbs, and start there, I don't know, we may have chapter 2 and 3, or Proverbs chapter 2, or wherever we get, we'll stop. But we thank you for your patience and your kind attention tonight as we got started on it. So let's study the second one, read it ahead, and we'll get ready for it in our Sunday night service, this coming Sunday night.